Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 50 of The Life of David Brainerd by Jonathan Edwards. Roman numeral two. It is worthy of remark that numbers of these people are brought to a strict compliance with the rules of morality and sobriety and to a conscientious performance of the external duties of Christianity by the internal power and influence of divine truth. The peculiar doctrines of grace upon their minds Without their having these moral duties frequently repeated and inculcated upon them, and the contrary vices particularly exposed and spoken against. What has been the general strain and drift of my preaching among these Indians? What were the truths I principally insisted upon, and how I was influenced and enabled to dwell from time to time upon the peculiar doctrines of grace, I have already stated those doctrines which had the most direct tendency to humble the fallen creature, to show him the misery of his natural state, to bring him down to the foot of sovereign mercy, and to exalt the great Redeemer. Discover his transcendent excellency and infinite preciousness, and so recommend him to the sinner's acceptance were the subject matter of what was delivered in public and private to them, and from time to time repeated and inculcated. God was pleased to give these divine truths such a powerful influence upon the minds of these people, and so to bless them for the effectual awakening of numbers of them, that their lives were quickly reformed without my insisting upon the precepts of morality and spending time in repeated harangues upon external duties. There was indeed no room for any kind of discourses, but those which respected the essentials of religion and the experimental knowledge of divine things. While there were so many inquiring daily, not how they should regulate their external conduct. For that, persons who are honestly disposed to comply with duty when known may in ordinary cases be easily satisfied about, but how they should escape from the wrath they feared and felt that they deserved, obtain an effectual change of heart, get an interest in Christ, and come to the enjoyment of eternal blessedness so that my great work still was to lead them into a further view of their utter undoneness in themselves, the total depravity and corruption of their hearts, that there was no manner of goodness in them, no good dispositions nor desires, no love to God, nor delight in his commands, but on the contrary, hatred, enmity, 
and all manner of wickedness reigning in them, and at the same time to open to them the glorious and complete remedy provided in Christ for perishing sinners and offered freely to those who have no goodness of their own, no works of righteousness which they have done to recommend them to God. This was the continued strain of my preaching. This my great concern and constant endeavor, so to enlighten the mind, as thereby duly to affect the heart, and as far as possible, give persons a sense and feeling of these precious and important doctrines of grace, at least so far as means might conduce to it. These were the doctrines and this the method of preaching, which were blessed of God for the awakening and I trust the saving conversion of numbers of souls and which were made the means of producing a remarkable reformation among the hearers in general. When these truths were felt at heart, there was now no vice unreformed, no external duty neglected. Drunkenness, the darling vice, was broken off and scarce an instant of it known among my hearers for months together. <clears throat> the abusive practice of husbands and wives in putting away each other and taking others in their stead was quickly reformed so that there are three or four couples who have voluntarily dismissed those whom they had wrongfully taken and now live together again in love and peace. The same might be said of all other vicious practices. The Reformation was general and all springing from the internal influence of divine truth upon their hearts and not from any external restraints or because they had heard these vices particularly exposed and repeatedly spoken against. Some of them I never so much as mentioned, particularly that of the parting of men and their wives, till some, having their conscience awakened by God's word, came and of their own accord confessed themselves guilty in that respect. When I at any time mentioned their wicked practices and the sins they were guilty of contrary to the light of nature, it was not with a design nor indeed with any hope of working an effectual reformation in their external manners by this means, for I knew that while the tree remained corrupt, the fruit would naturally be so. <clears throat> My design was to lead them by observing the wickedness of their lives to a view of the corruption of their hearts and so to convince them of the necessity of a renovation of nature and to excite them with the utmost diligence to seek after that great change which, if once obtained, I was sensible would of course produce a reformation of external manners in every respect. And as all vice was reformed upon their feeling, the power of these truths upon their hearts 
So the external duties of Christianity were complied with and conscientiously performed from the same internal influence. Family prayer set up and constantly maintained, unless among a few who had more lately come and had felt little of this divine influence. This duty was constantly performed, even in some families where there were none but females, and scarcely a prayerless person was to be found among near an hundred of them. The Sabbath was seriously and religiously observed, and care taken by parents to keep their children orderly upon that sacred day, and this not because I had driven them to the performance of these duties by frequently inculcating them, but because they had felt the power of God's word upon their hearts, were made sensible of their sin and misery, and thence could not but pray and comply with everything which they knew to be their duty from what they felt within themselves. When their hearts were touched with a sense of their eternal concerns, they could pray with great freedom as well as fervency without being at the trouble first to learn set forms for that purpose. Some of them who were suddenly awakened at their first coming among us were brought to pray and cry for mercy with the utmost importunity without ever being instructed in the duty of prayer or so much as once directed to a performance of it. The happy effects of these peculiar doctrines of grace upon this people show, even to demonstration, that instead of their opening a door to licentiousness, as many vainly imagine and slanderously insinuate, they have a directly contrary tendency so that a close application, a sense and feeling of them will have the most powerful influence toward the renovation and effectual reformation both of heart and life happy experience, as well as the word of God and the example of Christ and his apostles, has taught me that the very method of preaching which is best suited to awaken in mankind a sense and lively apprehension of their depravity and misery in a fallen state to excite them so earnestly to seek after a change of heart as to fly for refuge to free and sovereign grace in Christ as the only hope set before them is likely to be most successful in the reformation of their external conduct. I have found that close addresses and solemn application of divine truth to the conscience strike at the root of all vice while smooth and plausible harangues upon moral virtues and external duties at best are like to do no more than lop off the branches of corruption while the root of all vice remains still untouched. 
a view of the blessed effect of honest endeavors to bring home divine truths to the conscience and duly to affect the heart with them has often reminded me of those words of our Lord, which I have thought might be a proper exhortation for ministers in respect to their treatment of others, as well as for persons in general with regard to themselves. Cleanse first the inside of the cup and platter that the outside may be clean also. Cleanse, says he, the inside that the outside may be clean. As if he had said, the only effectual way to have the outside clean is to begin with what is within. And if the fountain be purified, the streams will naturally be pure. Most certain it is if we can awaken in sinners a lively sense of their inward pollution and depravity, their need of a change of heart, and so engage them to seek after inward cleansing. Their external defilement will naturally be cleansed, their vicious wars, of course, be reformed, and their conversation and behavior become regular. Now, although I cannot pretend that the reformation among my people does in every instance spring from a saving change of heart, yet... I may truly say it flows from some heart-affecting view and sense of divine truths, which all have had in a greater or less degree. I do not intend, by what I have observed here, to represent the preaching of morality and pressing persons to the external performance of duty to be altogether unnecessary and useless, especially at times when there's less of divine power attending the means of grace, when for want of internal influences, there is need of external restraints. It is doubtless among the things that ought to be done while others are not to be left undone. But what I principally designed by this remark was to discover a plain matter of fact, viz, that the reformation, the sobriety, and the external compliance with the rules and duties of Christianity appearing among my people are not the effect of any mere doctrinal instruction or merely rational view of the beauty of morality, but from the internal power and influence which the soul-humbling doctrines of grace have had upon their hearts. This concludes episode 50 of Jonathan Edwards, The Life of David Brainerd.